Seriously, who's blowing up my phone? Oh, yeah. Powerball. Big news. Powerball now draws three days a week, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Saturdays. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player claim. Spring it on with 40 to 70% off almost everything at Gap Factory and GapFactory.com. Matching styles for the family are on sale, too. Shop it all through April 12th. This is Donald Parham of the L.A. Chargers, and you're listening to Chargers Unleashed, part of the L.A. Football Network. Stay G. Three, two, one. This is Chargers Unleashed Podcast. Here are your hosts, Dan Wolfenstein and Jake Hefner. Welcome to another edition of Chargers Unleashed. Jake Hefner and Dan Wolkenstein here with you from the LA Football Network. Today's show, of course, is being brought to you by UFC Fin Temecula, Golden Road Brewery, Tick Pick, Charger Bolt Family, and BetUS. We want to make sure that all you guys know that we are excited to announce that we have partnered with a number of different sports books to give you the best options for all of your sportsboarding needs. For all of our California listeners, BetUS.com is the perfect place to bet on Super Bowl 56. If you live in a betting state, then be sure to check out all of our deals with DraftKings, FanDuel, or BetMGM, and in order to get our special Chargers Unleashed deal, you have to click on the link in the description below and make sure that you go and win big with amazing promotions that we have available. And if this is your first time listening to the show, of course, you can follow us on YouTube. Make sure to hit that like and subscribe button. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at LAC underscore Unleashed. Dan Wolkenstein. Jake, you got through the whole ad read. I'm so impressed. (laughs) How about that? I'm so impressed. As, as good as that sounded, it is not nearly as good as the experience that Dan Wolkenstein is currently having as he is sitting with the rest of our LAFB Network crew at Radio Row, SoFi Stadium, Super Bowl 56. Dan, before we get into it, because we have a huge guest coming up on the show today, talk to me a little bit about the experience of what Radio Row has been like. We've seen pictures. We've, we've, we've seen everything. There it is. There it is. Apparently, apparently, you're the last person in the building yes, as well. So. LAFB, LAFB, say hi. We're representing. L- we're one of the last ones. LAFB yes, is uh, the last people in the cl- in the clubhouse. Nice. Yes, we are making sure all those some rowdy noise going on back there. But no, Radio Row has been amazing. I talked to Austin Eckler, talked to Justin Herbert, Michael Irvin, CD Lamb, Micah Parsons. I've talked to Ron Jaworski. We've had, I mean, you name it. It's been amazing, crazy experience. Uh, we saw Devo Samuel here. It was a uh, it was a great day, honestly. It's an amazing day for LAFB. We've had lots of fun stuff going on, but it's been it's been a wild ride. I'm kind of overwhelmed by all of it, to be honest. But um, I can't wait for folks to hear the Austin Eckler interview that we had, Jake. That was a lot of fun today. Um, but no, I'm excited for today's guest because, look, we talked about your ad reads in the beginning. No one else does it better than Trevor Sikama and his ad reads. And by golly, somehow we have Trevor Sikama again. One year later after he came on last year and called his shot. And here we are one year later. Trevor Sikma is going to go into all of the 2022 NFL draft stuff for the Chargers. Who to get, who are his darlings, who's he picking, who the Chargers are going to get, all of that and more. I can't wait, Jake. Um, Trevor's such a good dude. He's, he knows so much about the draft that I just want to hit record and then just go back and listen a few times because I always miss something. To me, Trevor's like, if you remember the movie Book of Eli with Denzel Washington, and, and spoiler alert for those of you who have, have seen the movie, for what he's protecting, everything is basically, it's a, it's a Bible that's in Braille. But he's memorized everything from it, and he begins to dictate at the end of the movie every single verse of of the book. To me, that's Trevor. He can vomit an encyclopedia in of the draft knowledge in the best possible way. And that is Trevor Sikama to me. So the guy who essentially launched Chargers Unleashed one year ago, as you said it, Dan, uh, is back one year later. Now with PFF, if you guys are, haven't been listening to his uh, his podcast, NFL Stock Exchange, make sure to do so. Um, but I'm, I'm stoked for this. So can't wait for you guys to hear it. Here is our interview with PFF's own Trevor Sikama. Well, as all eyes are looking towards this Sunday's Super Bowl 56, Cincinnati Bengals versus the Los Angeles Rams, we here at Chargers Unleashed are going a different direction. We're looking more towards April. 
April 28th to be more specific. And we have brought in a very special guest today, the man who actually helped kick off Chargers Unleashed almost one year ago, the great Trevor Sikma. If you guys have been following his work for some time, you remember from the Draft Network, but more importantly now from PFF with his podcast, NFL Stock Exchange. Trevor Sikama, it is indeed a pleasure to have you join the show. What's happening? Boys, it is always good to be with you. I mean, that is some high praise in my best snl nick cage voice that's high praise for uh for for what we just had there so i mean i appreciate you uh guys having me on i'm excited to talk a little charges ball with you absolutely so trevor what we wanted to do is we know we're just coming off the senior bowl a lot of guys really helped out their draft stock but more importantly we want to obviously pick your brain a little bit on what really stood out to you but then more importantly because the Chargers really love drafting guys from the Senior Bowl over the last yeah. five years. We want to see which guys do you think that they should be keeping an eye on, which one do you think would be the best fit? So let's start it off with probably one of the deeper positions in the NFL, and I know you've been covering this uh, big time since you were down there. But let's talk about wide receivers. Who really stood out to you that week? A lot of big names, notably had good practices, but take it away. Yeah, Christian Watson, uh, 100%. He's the first guy that stands out to me. This is a North Dakota State University wide receiver. And anytime you get a guy who doesn't come from a Power 5 school, you wonder how they're going to do up against different competition, right? I think that that's such an underrated part of senior senior bowl coverage is not just getting to see these guys in new environments, not just getting to see them get to work with NFL coaching staffs, but also get to go up against different types of competition. And so when you come from lower levels, you know, NDSU, that's the the FCS level. And for as much success as they obviously have as a program, multinational championship kind of program, you want to see how they do against SEC players, against Big Ten players, against, you know, Pac-12 players, like these these more established, I'll say, conferences at a higher D1 level that um, are often churning guys out to the pro level. And uh, let me tell you, Christian Watson just cooked everybody. I mean, that final day of practice. I mean, uh, we, I often want to see guys get better throughout the week, right? That's that's what you'd love to see. Okay, first day, okay, a little bit of jitters. You know, you're still gaining your confidence. Second day, actually, this year wasn't ideal for uh, catching the football because it was windy, it was right. rainy, and it just was not ideal conditions. But man, when they moved into the indoor practice facility for day three, I mean, I did not see Christian Watson lose a one-on-one rep. Didn't see him lose one. Not not a single one around. Not uh, whether it was tall corners, short corners, guys in the line in the slot, him to the outside. There's a lot of red zone work that day, and he just thrives so well, man. He's six foot four, and I think within this wide receiver class, you've got a lot of wide receivers who don't really have that kind of I hate using the word prototypical because it's so stupid, but like the, 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 the bigger set, when you succeed and you are bigger, it just, it, it, it lends itself better to you. Big people beat up little people. That's still the motto of the NFL. And that's just always what it's going to be. So Christian Watkins, where is he? He's not, you know, the beefiest, strongest. It's not like he's a DK Metcalf looking guy, but he's got the frame. He's got that long build to him. And he was still able to beat guys with quickness off the line of scrimmage, get off a of press, things like that. So he really, really impressed me. Uh, I, I think that, that he's got to be the biggest standout. I'm trying to think of the other guys that were obviously there, and I'm running through some highlights in my head. But, I mean, I, just every single day, I, th- I felt like it was just Chris, Christian Watson putting on an absolute show. Is there? Do you see Christian Watson doing anything to solidify himself draft position-wise to get to – earlier in day two do you see him as like a fringe day two day three like where do you see obviously his stock has gone up since the senior bowl but like where do you see his ceiling and floor in terms of where he goes i mean i would i would tell you that he's probably firmly day two now i i don't i don't think that he's gonna go like top 50 for sure but like kind of like i said you know when you get past the very tip top part of this wide receiver class a lot of it is guys that you still like but it's guys who are probably around like six foot six one and it's just like, like a lot of guys who are of that size and christian watson comes in and it's like okay this guy gives you a bigger profile he gives you something different and so that full pun intended allows him to stand head and shoulders above the other guys that he might be drafted against so whereas going into the senior bowl i probably would have told you okay mid-round guy you like the tape you like what he's got there is intriguing with his size now i would tell you that i'd be shocked if he doesn't get picked on day two now i think he's probably still more likely to be like an early third round pick, but 
I, shoot, man, I've seen some people be like, hey, when are we getting him in the first round? And I'm like, I, I don't know about that. I don't, I don't know about the first round conversation, but all of that to say, we're talking about that as maybe a potential ceiling for him. It's going to be, um, it's it's going to be that kind of a floor for him. I think that it's really going to be day two. You know, Jalen Tolbert, he was the hometown kid as well. I want to give a shout out to a couple of the other wide receivers. Jalen Tolbert, he's a South Alabama kid who's getting to play in Mobile in his stadium, if you will, because they hold the practices in South Alabama. I thought he got better as the week went on. Same thing with Romeo Dubs from Nevada. I, I liked what Dubs was able to do in day three because this was one of the better deep threat wide receivers that we saw coming into the week. And I think that he really struggled early on, even with Carson Strong, his quarterback at Nevada, throwing him the football. They gave him that consistent chemistry. He just was not separating deep as well as I thought that he was going to. And then day three, when I told you guys, man, they, they ran a lot more red zone drills. He started showing up big time, started catching through contact. And that's what you really love to see. So uh, that's, that's something I love from him. Calvin Austin, the speedster from, uh, from Memphis, I think absolutely put on a show with how well he can move and how well he can create separation. And, you know, the, the, the talk of Mobile was if Tutu Atwell can go in the second round, Calvin Austin can go in the second round. So uh, those are a handful of guys. There's probably a couple that I'm forgetting, but it was as the week went on, the wide receiver group got better down in Mobile. And so there was a lot of guys to take away to, to, to be really impressed with. Now, I know this wide receiver class is actually really diverse when it comes to being different from the last couple of years. There's not that one premier guy or those that group of three that you really say separate themselves from the rest of the class. Yeah. And it's different, obviously, everything that happened with Jamison Williams with the unfortunate injury this year. And you yourself, I know you have Drake London as your wide receiver one. But it seems like everybody's kind of all over the place with their wide receiver ones. What's What's really the biggest difference in this year's class as opposed to others? Is it just a diverse skill set that each guy brings to the table that separates them? Or more specifically, as far as Drake London goes, uh, separates him from the rest of the class? Yeah, I think that the real answer to that question, and it's going to, I mean, it's going to sound a little bit like it's a, like it's a downer, like it's a big negative. And I don't really mean it to come off that negative is there's, concerns if you will with all of these guys there's not this kind of home run wide receiver prospect that everybody's okay with at the spot they're going to be selected if they're selected high like for example i have drake london as my wide receiver one i think he's the best wide receiver in this class but there are plenty of people out there who are saying like okay well we question the launch speed do we want to draft a guy who cannot separate as easily with speed and that goes into him being as big as he is, right? He's just not going to separate naturally. But I think he sinks his hips really well for a player of his size. He's got a great basketball athlete, overall athletic background. I think he can really, I don't want to say stop on a dime, but man, he can flip the hips and hit a comeback route on you like you wouldn't normally see from a six foot four, six foot five wide receiver. And so where he's not going to separate like some of these smaller guys. And if you want separation, okay, you're probably going to look elsewhere. That's an area that's taken away from his game. I have George Pickens as my wide receiver too right now. And the thing with George Pickens is he didn't really get to play this past year because he had the ACL injury and he kind of came on really late, but didn't get a ton of reps after that ACL. So who knows what's going to happen with him there. Traylon Burks, you love how big, how athletic, how strong he is. You like that he's played in the slot. You like that he's played on the outside, but he's a little stiff, right? And so you worry, you're like, okay, well, is this guy just a linear athlete? Is he going to be able to give you stuff over the middle in the quick hit areas? And so like all of that kind of comes in the equation. And then, I mean, you can look at uh, Garrett Wilson from Ohio State, and I'm just kind of going down the list now, Garrett Wilson, all right, we love the short area quickness. We like what he's able to do with separation. We like that he can play from the inside and out, but he's six feet tall, 185, 190 pounds, and that's just a smaller wide receiver. So are you going to draft Garrett Wilson that that size in the top 10? So I just feel like it's not that this wide receiver class is bad. It's truly not. I think that we're going to get a lot of really solid pros from this class, but the reason why you see – such diverse rankings within this wide receiver class is because I think that there's a there's a true pros and cons list for shoot man six guys that I that you could all have either like wide receiver one wide receiver two potential going all the way down to you know you throw Chris Olave in there as well you guys mentioned Jamison Williams so where some people might look at that and say oh I guess the wide receiver class isn't as top heavy I'd sit here and tell you no 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 the talent the talent in this class is still good it just means you could probably get a damn good wide receiver basically anywhere in the first round, even getting into that second round. And we've seen that theme in the NFL draft before, and I think it continues this year. And I was going to ask you, so we, we know there's a lot of talk in Chargers land about, like, do we keep Mike Williams? Do they franchise him? Do they extend him? Do they right. go in the draft? Either way, who knows? So 
I think maybe the question I have for you is for the Chargers, right? Specifically, maybe at 17, maybe it's going to be in second round. Is there a fit that you think is best for them in maybe one for day one, one for day two, and one for day three that you think, man, if they got out of here with this wide receiver and this class, they're good to go? I mean, I would love George Pickens for for the uh, for for the Los Angeles Chargers. I think he'd be a fantastic kind of outside, more physical wide receiver than you know you can you can get creative and use Keenan Allen everywhere. And, and they're of course used to doing that. Some people have pointed out Justin Ross as well. You know, if, if, I, I think that Pickens, I have him at wide receiver too. You could probably get him in the second round. I don't think people are nearly as high on him as I am, but that's probably kind of a day two target there for him. I think, I think honestly, shoot for day one, Traylon Burks, like Traylon Burks is, is the guy for oh. the Los Angeles Chargers. Like that is the player that you want. I mean, especially when you have the versatility of where you can align Keenan Allen. And that not only that, when you throw in the versatility of like what you could have with Austin Eckler, using him out of the backfield, using him as a wide receiver, you shoot, you can have one play where you line up Traylon Burks on the outside and Austin Eckler sitting in the backfield and pre-snap motion, you kick Austin Eckler out and you bring Traylon Burks into the backfield. Like that's kind of what I'm talking about here with the versatility that you might be able to have. So I think the home run for them is probably Traylon Burks. I guess I would tell you that another day one target would probably be Jameson Williams because you want that field stretching ability that Mike Williams was able to get. Um, plus, obviously, Williams and Williams. People wouldn't have to learn a new name, and fans always love that. Uh, but, yeah, George Pickens probably on day two. I think that makes a lot of sense. Justin Ross is another player from Clemson. I have no idea how high he's going to go, but y'all remember his freshman season was absolutely outstanding. Um, almost we weren't sure if, if uh, Justin Ross was going to play football again because of a um, – I believe it was like a neck head injury kind of a thing, maybe going into his back that it's just like, it didn't look like he was going to play football again. And it was kind of quiet this year, but it was kind of quiet for Clemson on offense overall. So those are two guys that I probably look at on day two, day three guy. Um, I mean, I, I, so I just talked about this guy as a senior bowl guy, potentially Romeo doves might make a lot of sense because he is known as more of a deep threat. That is kind of his bread and butter. But he showed a little bit more at the Senior Bowl, which might be intriguing enough for the Chargers. So those are probably be those are probably the first guys from this class that I kind of think of off the top of my head that might be able to fit a Mike Williams replacement, if you will. Now, would you go for any of those guys if Mike Williams stayed? I mean, I'm of the mindset that you watch all these other teams around the NFL and like, it's just an arms race, right? I mean, it's basically just like get as many good players as you possibly can. I mean, like, can you imagine a Chargers offense with Justin Herbert uh, at quarterback? You got Austin Eckler standing next to him. You've got Keenan Allen, you've got Traylon Burks, you got Mike Williams, right? I mean, like maybe you go out and you sign a tight end, right? But maybe David Njoku is available. Maybe you go get OJ Howard when he hits the market, right? I mean, like all of a sudden you basically like everybody's talking about like, Oh, you know, you know, they're not really where the Kansas city chiefs are yet. Like you put the Kansas city chiefs on notice. If you go draft Traylon Burks in the first round, like you, like you basically say to them, line up with us. Find Like we'll find the mismatch. I guarantee because every team in the NFL is going to find the mismatch. I mean, like that was, that was the Buccaneers strategy when they brought in Antonio Brown. Right. I mean, like you looked at what the Bucks had when they won the Super Bowl. Uh, last year and it was Mike Evans it was Chris Godwin it was Antonio Brown it was Rob Gronkowski it was Leonard Fournette out of the backfield it was more tight ends that they could throw at it they had an, they had a wide and and like even when guys were hurt or when they had different packages and I mean you saw what Scotty Miller was able to do as a deep threat for them to beat the Packers in Lambeau right you get your wide receiver or I should just say your passing weapon six seven guys deep Nobody can hang with you. The NFL has not evolved yet to that point where we're seeing teams really make sure that they're as deep as they possibly can be at corner for this very reason, secondary overall. But we're not there yet. The offenses still have the ability to get the upper hand on them there. So, um, yeah, I, I, I can't remember exactly what the uh, what the what the original question was, but uh, I mean, like the, the, get Mike Williams and anyone else. <laughs> Even if they bring back Mike Williams, none of these guys should be off the table, if you will, to answer the question that way. Now let's transition over to another position that arguably people believe that this has to be the number one target for them at 17, interior defensive lineman. 
you're going to have a lot of guys that are possibly going out free agency wise, a lot of holes for the chargers to fill on the interior defensive line. Obviously the run defense was not up to snuff for this year. So they really have to reload this position. You hopefully bring Justin Jones back um, at least one of your interior defensive linemen free agents, but there were a lot of guys who elevated their stock specifically on the defensive line last week at the senior bowl. And I already know some of the guys that you're going to go through and highlight, um, but please, who is it that, uh, that made you say, whoa. Yeah, so it's 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 a little bit different because for the Chargers, you know, it, it depends kind of how much they want to live in a lighter box world, right? And and I know that you guys know a lot about that with, with having fewer guys in the box, inviting teams to run the ball, if you will. And I think that they're – I know what Brandon Staley was going for, but they didn't have the horses to win that race, if you will. And I think that they st- – so, like, when I when I look at a defensive tackle, I'm probably going to come away with Devontae Wyatt from Georgia as my defensive tackle. One, because of everything that he could do both in the run game and in the pass game, though. he's It's definitely a force in both of those things. But, like, Jordan Davis for the Chargers, I know that you guys have seen that in mocks plenty of times, but, like, that dude can change the math for you in what he is able to do just from a sheer size perspective. So if they really just want to say, we need to get better at run defense, them selecting Jordan Davis, whether it's where they are at 17, whether it's trading down, whether they can just try to make this happen as, as much as they possibly can, because I'm not, I, I'm not sure exactly where Jordan Davis's stock is right now. Some people are like, okay, no football player comes around this unique very often. He's going to be a first year first rounder. And then other people say, well, Look at how few snaps that he plays. He's he's he may, he shouldn't be a first rounder. So I'm not exactly sure where everybody's going to fall on it. But shoot, man, I love the idea of it. I love the idea of plugging Jordan Davis in the middle, and that allows yourself to play way lighter because you can't you can't single block this dude. I mean, he'll do. You guys watch the Kentucky game. If anybody watches the Kentucky game, he'll do what he did in the Kentucky game, where he basically just like imposes a man's will against him with one arm. Right. And he's just like staring in the backfield, like, Oh, okay. Which way is the running back going to go left or right? Cause I'm going to throw this guy off the sideline because he's a paperweight to me, you know, like that getting that guy in the middle of the Chargers defense, I think means a lot. Another player to keep an eye on. This is senior bowl guy. I'm sure you guys read all about him. Travis Jones from UConn. I mean, this dude's mean, man, you, you go back and you watch some of that UConn tape and, I've said this a couple of times now. Um, he got the Aiden Hutchinson treatment, right? I mean, Aiden Hutchinson gets you know, he got d- double teamed and triple teamed all year long. Well, that was also Travis Jones. He just wasn't getting any pub because he played on UConn. And they would just block him with everybody that they possibly could on the interior because he's just, you know, at the snap, okay, engaged, throwing this dude off. Okay, engaged, throwing this dude off. And, you know, it's by that time, the ball was out. But he's looking like a monster in the middle. He looked like a monster when he was at the senior bowl. I thought that was really important. A guy from UConn taking a step up, playing some really good players on the interior, man, that was at the with the, that was at the senior bowl with him. And so honestly, for the Chargers, if you will, there's plenty of other interior defensive tackles I could talk about. But for the Chargers, the two guys that I really like are Jordan Davis and then Travis Jones because of that strength profile that they bring. Do you see speaking on defensive line before I go to another position, Chargers are drastically in need of for the defensive line, do you think that getting a defensive tackle at 17 is too rich? If you're the GM of the Chargers, is that too high for you? See, I would tell you that it's not too high for Devontae Wyatt. So if like you if if you like Devontae Wyatt yourself and if the Chargers go, okay, we want this guy, we want to build around this guy, we think he's good enough uh, interior run defender, we think he can complement Bosa, we think he can complement the rest of the guys here, then – no, I would tell you that that player at 17 would be worth that value. But really, I struggle to find anyone other than Wyatt really worth that 17th pick. Like, if you're going to consider Jordan Davis, um, I do not think they should consider DeMarvin Leal at all. I think that that would be counterproductive to what they need to go for on the defensive line. Um, he's just too he's just too light. He's just too much of a tweener. Um, but if they want Travis Jones, then, like, I think you, you pick those guys. You can pick those guys later. So – if they want Devontae Wyatt, 17 is appropriate for me. Anybody else, uh, I, I'd be looking to trade back and, and see if I can hit a sweet spot there. Are you guys listening? Are you guys listening, Chargers fans? Because, Trevor, I'm telling you, everyone is like Jordan Davis or Bus, And Jake and I are sitting here like quietly in our cubby holes like, uh. And it makes and it makes I, I you understand why right? We just kind of had that conversation because schematically and like what you get done with Jordan Davis makes sense now it just goes to how they're going to build the rest of the defensive line around him do they have the right piece there because you know look at it this way 
Tampa Bay drafted Vita Vea 11 uh, a bunch of years ago. And, and Vita Vea is more athletic and impacted the passing game more than Jordan Davis did. So it was a little bit different. But even being even that being the case, Tampa Bay continued to have to add around Vita Vea for Vita Vea to become worth what he was. So, you know, if they trade back and they get themselves Jordan Davis or shoot, man, even if they, they if they think, okay, this is our centerpiece of the defense, we're going to draft Jordan Davis at 17. I still think it could be worth it if you make more investments around him and you get really a fantastic defensive line. But I don't think you're going to be able to just pick Jordan Davis at 17 and then it's like fix. I think the value for that pick, or at least just it panning out, would require a couple more steps. Let me touch on something that you actually had had brought up there, Trevor. I'm really glad that you highlighted the difference of the defensive tackles, what it is that you want your defense to accomplish with the certain players that you're selecting. And you mentioned DeMarvin Leal just a second ago. It's so funny how much throughout the season things change because I remember he was either in late August, early September. It was one of your last shows with with the Draft Network. You and Joe Marino were on there previewing the interior defensive line class. And at this point in time, everybody pretty much, the consensus was that DeMarvin Leal was the top guy. And then you see a guy like Perrion Winfrey, who I think in your guys' discussion was maybe IDL 5, Mm-mm. but really elevated his his stock this week, obviously MVP of the Senior Bowl. But guys like him and guys like Fidarius Mathis that maybe you can come back around in the second round, they've really seen their stock really shoot up over the last couple of weeks. Talk to us about you know what you've seen from some of the guys that may not be the, the first-round prospects, but this defensive line class is so deep that you could always find someone really good in these later rounds. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you, man. I think there's a lot of really nice defensive linemen. And, you know, if, if, if you're looking for a, I feel this is probably going to be a day three guy, but if you want like kind of a more run stuffing, bigger player strength guy, John Ridgeway from Arkansas is a guy who was at the senior bowl as well, who brings a great strength profile to him. Right. And I think that you could find a, a guy like that. Shoot. I was at shrine as well over in Vegas before I was in mobile and uh, Mark well McCall from Kentucky, the big bully in the, in the middle. Now that's, I, I'm not, I'm, that's his own nickname. I'm saying his own nickname right there. That's his name is bully ball McCall. And I think he really saw that during practices. And so those are a couple of guys that, Maybe. Career Builder is made for people who have that thing. You know, those superpowers that make you good at your job, the skills you bring to work. And Career Builder knows those skills make you right for other jobs too. Higher paying jobs with benefits, jobs you never thought of trying. Are you a people person? Work from home as a customer service rep? Are you organized and like driving? Become a delivery driver. You have the skills it takes, and CareerBuilder.com has the jobs to get you hired fast. Visit CareerBuilder.com. Those mid-rounds where you could pick up an interior defensive lineman, I think it could really help your D-line rotation there. But, yeah, you mentioned Fedarian Mathis, I think, is a guy who improved along that Alabama defensive line. Uh, Perrion Winfrey. I thought looked good this year. I thought he looked great at the senior bowl. Now, the, he was getting coached by the Jets defensive line. And I made sure I showed up to practice early just to watch the Jets defensive line coach scream at these guys. Not 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 in a bad way. He wasn't like getting on him like was wasn't mean to him. He was hyping him up, man. Like he was screaming. He's they're they're doing the drills to get ready and he's like, get off the effing ball. Go go and like but you could tell like and whenever anybody did anything good he was like let's go baby and that you saw no player fed off that energy. More than Perrion Winfrey, man. I mean, he took that to the one-on-ones. He took that into the scrimmage, and he was hyping his teammates up. He was hyping himself up. He was feeling it. He was playing so great. And if you get that kind of motivated Perrion Winfrey, man, in, in the NFL, he is going to be a difference maker because I thought he was – there were times on tape where I felt like Perrion Winfrey was a little too finesse. I really did. I thought that he was not as aggressive as he needed to be. He gets that Jets defensive line coach in his face, man, and all week he was just – there was no lack of aggression from him. There was no lack of gear, and you saw that instead that plus speed profile from him as one gap penetrator then paired with aggressiveness paired with the hands moving where they need to super fast and like he was just awesome to see so Perrion was great uh the only other guy that I would kind of throw in there is Logan Hall depending on how you see him is he a defensive end for you is he an interior defensive tackle he's um the guy from Houston just really long frame he's very unique could be a 3-4 defensive end, I think. Could be a 4-3 defensive end, depending on how light you want to have him. Or I think he can I think he can pack on a couple extra pounds, man. He's got a big lower half as well. And you can maybe 
kick him inside, let him do some uh, some unique spacing things as well. And you know, when you're the Chargers, if you're trying to manipulate the math, if you will, getting a guy with a lot of length like Logan Hall might have, you can pack some extra pounds on him, get his strength. That also might be a decent target for them. Uh, probably on day two, that's probably where he's going. We're talking to PFF Trevor Sikkim. Uh, Trevor, now, look, I think Chargers fans, everyone alike, has been so spoiled by who the Chargers picked at 13 a year ago. Huh. They got Rashawn Slater, their home run pick. You had, we had you on our show last year. You said that was their guy. If I they was, could get yeah, him say, and I Asante Samuel. I called it. Samuel, my own warrior. Called, I called it. You did. You called him and Asante Samuel. If you can get both those guys. And sure enough, here we are. Size be damned. Chargers fans saw what happened last game of the season against the Raiders. Max Crosby literally wrecked the game for us. Chargers need some offensive line help. They got the left tackle side fixed, possibly right tackle, maybe interior offensive line. What can you see the Chargers doing? Let's say day one, maybe day two, but where should they go or where should folks look at when you're looking at the offensive line class? Yeah, it's a really nice class, I think, uh, especially for, you know, if you're going to upgrade the trenches, you better do it in the first two rounds. Like, I'm just going to tell you that every time. Like, don't sit here and you you can hit on guys. Like, guys can help you out, certainly. You can, you can find a, a mid-round trench player on the defensive line or offensive line that that might end up being a steal for you. Like, we, we have seen that before. I'm not saying it can't happen. But if you have a trench need, you better do it in the first two rounds because you, you better put the necessary value um, and emphasis that it takes to upgrade – the premier positions in football along the uh, along the trenches, and so you know when you look at offensive line additions, one guy that I that I like for um, one guy that 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 I do like for the Chargers is uh, Iki Aquanu from NC State. I, I don't think he's going to be there when they pick at number seventeen, but I'd really love that because Slater could play on the left side, Iki Aquanu could play on the right. And he's got experience playing at right tackle. Um, you know, I like the Darian Kennard as well if they want to go kind of with that interior defensive line, offensive tackle versatility. He's played both at Kentucky. He's a mean cuss. He is a big, dense dude. He's got a really thick lower body. You love the way that he is built. So I think that probably like those two guys, I would like to see the Chargers target. Don't don't think they'll have a chance to pick Iquanu. If they want him, they're probably going to have to move up for it. Offensive line, there's a lot of guys to like, but unfortunately – it's not a super deep and talented class at a lot of other areas. And anytime that's the case, you often see drafts go very trench heavy early on. Like when it's when, when you're not getting blown out of the water by wide receivers, tight ends, running backs, I'll throw in there linebackers uh, corners, like, and of course, quarterbacks as well. When those positions are lacking, and there's not a lot of allurement to pick those super high. Like, man, we got to have this guy. We got to have this skill position player. You you just see the NFL revert to – well, not revert. That's not the right word. But you just see them say, we're just going to take a trench player. We're going to take a trench player. We're going to take one of the guys that we like, and we're going to see if it pans out for us because it can because it can work that way. So the, those are a handful of names that I would like for the Chargers, especially in this situation where it looks like they're moving on from Brian Bulaga, so it looks like they're going to have a right tackle spot open. Those are two guys that I could see really fill it. But other than that, you'd probably have to look at some players, like maybe a Trevor Penning, um, maybe a, a Max Mitchell type from Louisiana, who I like. I think that he might be a nice day two target for them, uh, but he'd have Jake's to flip guy. over to the right side. Uh, Bernard Ryman from central michigan both mike renner and i really like him i was higher on ryman going into the senior bowl and now i'm a little bit lower on him i'm lower on both him and trevor penning because you know we talked at the top of the show about getting a different level of competition you look at ryman going from central michigan now he's going up against sec players big 10 players right you look at trevor penning okay northern iowa now he's going up against uh he's, he's going up against acc players and, and pac-12 players or whatever their outside shoulders got exposed bad in the one-on-ones. I mean, you watched a lot of guys just be like, okay, they are not used to this speed. Now, I'm not saying that that can't be corrected. It absolutely can, but it's just something that I was a little bit higher on both of those guys going into the senior bowl. I bumped them down a little bit just because I can I get physically see the learning curve that they're going to need, which was kind of in their projection already. So it's not like I'm dropping them like a rock, but I, that was a long rambling answer to, to give you guys a couple of names to look out. And Jake, real quick, before I know we got another position to go into, but I do have to say, Jake, how nice is it to be in a position covering the Chargers where, like, they got their dude at quarterback in a draft class specifically like this? With this draft? Yeah. Like, imagine being a general manager the last couple of years. They're like, no, we'll kick that can down the road. I'm going to wait until 2022 to draft my quarterback. Like, 
Trevor, a lot of teams is, are screwed, man. A lot of is teams there a quarterback screwed. to draft in the first round? I mean, we're gonna see three or four. It's gonna happen, but round. would you? I I don't think I'm gonna have a first round grade on any of these quarterbacks. No, 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 no. I think that um, I don't know. I'll probably end up having like a late second round grade as my highest quarterback, man. I I just they they're just this this class. It, it, you would have to get over a lot of cons for these quarterbacks to be really good. Like like Malik Willis would have to look like a quarterback that he has never looked like before in order for him to succeed in the NFL as a first round pick. Desmond Ritter would some would need to all of a sudden all of the touch passes, the strange touch passes that aren't accurate, they would just all have to just suddenly go away. Just like absolutely go away. Kenny Pickett would have to get bigger hands immediately. Like I I don't know. Like it's just that's <laughs> I, there's Unfortunately, so many cons that I think a lot of these quarterbacks have to make up for. Um, I like I like a lot of them. Like I, I like a lot of these quarterbacks. I just don't think they're franchise dudes. And and we know that the NFL uh, going to draft them like them, which because that's what the NFL does. Let's move on to a different position for the Chargers. That is uh, could definitely become a big need here. Joey Bosa seems to need some help. It is unknown at this point in time whether or not Enchina Nuosu is going to return. You have Kyler Fackrell, who's also a free agent. So you really need to reload players at your edge rush to get a more, uh, a better pass rush on the quarterback. And this year, obviously, it is the draft is definitely high, highlighted with a lot of uh, big-name edge rushers. Aiden Hutchinson, Kayvon Thibodeau, George Karloftis. Obviously, these guys are going to be gone way before the Chargers ends up picking at 17. But let's talk about arguably the star of Senior Bowl week and Jermaine Johnson from Florida State. Wow. Didn't even have to practice the third day, right, Trevor? Uh, didn't didn't practice and no didn't reason need to. to. <laughs> Absolutely no reason to, man. He was he was so dominant in day one and day two. Connor Rogers and I were talking on our podcast. And uh, right after the day two recap, I was like, I don't know why he's going to show up tomorrow. And guess what? He didn't. He didn't really didn't need to. He was uh, by, by far the best player at the Senior Bowl. And, you know, he's super impressive. He went from a fringe first-round player for me to a no doubt about it. You better get this guy somewhere in your first round because he's absolutely going there. He could be an, he could certainly be a target for the Chargers at 17. I think that he would actually be perfect for what they're looking for because he is a great run defender as well. I went into the Senior Bowl thinking, okay, this is a dense, strong, heavy dude. Knows how to hold the point of attack. Knows how to be great on run defense. Wasn't sure I saw, like, the – the consistent pass rush flashes that I wanted to, like I saw a little bit of them on tape, but I was like, ah, I think this guy's probably more of like a true five tech four, three defensive end. Who's going to be more known more as a run defender than he is a pass rusher. And uh, they put him in pass rush situations in the senior bowl and he thrived every single time. I mean, he was, he was just, he was absolutely bullying guys. You, you go to the man. If you fast forward to the, the, the end of the second day of practice, offensive tackles were, scared to go up against him like uh, you could the confidence that was oozing from jermaine johnson who basically was just like line any one of you up against me it doesn't matter i'm gonna be and like that's i mean it, because it came to fruition there's a reason why he believes it he would be absolutely fantastic somebody else that i would also love for the chargers a little bit more of a project but i'd love david ojabo as well um i you know some people have david ojabo the michigan edge rusher opposite aiden hutchinson some people have him going in the top 10 not so sure he goes in the top 10 now the issue with Ojabo is he's not nearly as good at run defending as he is as a pass rusher right now. And so that would be a bit of a risk for the Chargers, but it could hit off huge. I mean, if Ojabo becomes the player that a lot of people think that he's going to become, you got Ojabo on one side, Joey Bosa on the other, like you're in trouble, man. Like you're really in trouble, especially if you continue to build the interior defensive line over the next couple of rounds in this draft or in free agency or whatever it is. So those are two guys that uh, that I really like. Another player, maybe a little bit later in the draft from the edge position, Arnold Ibikade from Penn State. Some people consider him a first rounder. I don't think, I don't think he's going to go in the first round. Um, I, so I guess we'll have to see on that. I think it, it, he's more of a day two option, but he was somebody that I liked there. I think Boye Mafe from Minnesota as well could be an option for them. Another guy who had a really great senior bowl. And then I'm going to give a shout out to a guy who I was super impressed with at the Shrine Bowl. And that is uh, Ali Fayette, uh pass rusher from Western Michigan, man. He was somebody who absolutely stood out. I feel like Kyle Phillips, the wide receiver from UCLA, was the biggest standout on offense. And I think Ali Fayad was by far the biggest standout player on defense. I got to sit down and talk with him and his mentality of uh, how he how he became a double-digit sack player for the first time in his senior season and what went into that and just his goals and his mindset for everything. He's just he he's a super driven dude. He's got a great head on his shoulders. He's very motivated. He understands what it takes to be great, if you will. 
Um, and I, I just shoot, man, he was, he was out here hitting spin moves. He was hitting counters. Uh, there was one rep that he had, I think it was the third day of practice of the triangle where he even, he even put a ghost move on somebody, right? Like he, he like, he, he hesitated the hand. And then the second the long arms came out for the offensive tackle, he pulled the hand back and he like Von Miller, like just straight under the hands, like in one fluid motion. And I'm like, my guy, like you're doing that in practice on day three. What are you like? We, you gotta calm down, man. And be so, nice. I'm uh, I'm 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 super disappointed that he actually did not get a combine invite. But he is somebody who seems to be more of a mid-round pick from the NFL right now, who I think could be a really nice pro for them. So if they don't take a big splash at edge rusher, maybe they hit it in the mid rounds. Maybe they get a guy like Fiat. Now, when we're closing out with Trevor's segment, I do have to say I think. If you were to ask most people who cover the Chargers, they would say, like, they got to fix the defense. Like, they got Justin Herbert on offense. They got enough guys on offense, but the defense needs to get fixed. Cornerback, secondary unit. They got Michael Davis. They got Asante Samuel Jr., who looks to be a stud. But they need more depth. They need more secondary, potentially more depth and safety as well. Not the cornerback class. There's always Everybody talks about, like, the, the Stingleys. Everybody talks about the, the Sauce Gardners, Booth, you name it, McCreary. There's so many of them. But looking at... Chargers specifically, and the scheme they have with Brandon Staley, where it's so multiple and they got to do so many different things and aggressively. Do you like who? Who do you think stands out for the Chargers? I know we saw Kobe Bryant the Senior Bowl. Like I, I actually think it'd be so fitting to see Kobe Bryant as the LA Charger. But who are the guys for you for the Chargers specifically with that defense? Uh, Kobe Bryant was going to be the one of the names that I uh, that I threw out to you guys. I think that he's fantastic, man. He he is not just quote unquote the other Cincinnati cornerback opposite Sauce Garner. You know, at one point in time, I was like, man, I don't I don't understand why Bryant's so getting so much attention. Sauce Garner's so much better. And then I went back and I'm watching Bryant's tape and I'm like, damn, Bryant's good, man. Thank I don't you. think Bryant. I don't think Bryant should have won the Thorpe Award. All respect to the year that uh, Bryant has had. I don't think that he should have won cornerback of the year in college football but that's not to say he didn't have a phenomenal year i thought that he did he also looked great at the senior bowl the number one target for the chargers i believe in my heart of hearts uh is trent mcduffie the corner from washington such a smart player man so versatile understands the game so well i had an opportunity to sit down with him and do a feature and just talk about his background and how he approaches the game and the guys that he's watching and i mean like Dude, you know, sometimes people talk about like, oh, like who are you watching in the NFL? And they mention a couple of guys and like, yeah, I just like like what he's watching. I asked Trent McDuffie who he's watching. He's watching Hall of Famers, man. He's watching Charles Woodson. He's watching Rondé Barber. Like he's watching the best of the best. And like, yeah, of course he's watching guys in the NFL now, but he's setting the bar super high. And I just believe that, you know, it, it would it would be some people – some people might not love them drafting Trent McDuffie because it would be a shorter corner and a shorter corner, and that's not even your nickel, right? You would have Asante Samuel as a shorter corner on the outside. Trent McDuffie is a shorter corner on the outside, and then you're not even talking about probably also having a third short corner as your nickel defender. So I think that might be something that might get in the way, but when it comes to, you said it, multiple schemes, being able to play multiple different spots – McDuffie even he's gonna he's gonna tell NFL teams like if there's some snaps where you want me to rotate at safety like really throw them off I can do it I'm gonna learn how to play safety for you I'm gonna master safety I'm a master outside corner I'm a master inside corner and I think Brandon Staley's absolutely gonna love that I'll also give a shout out to his teammate Kyler Gordon who did not play as much as Trent McDuffie did but is going to be a riser in this class I think as people kind of deep dive deeper into the corner class they're gonna realize that Kyler Gordon again was not just this backup at Washington who is uh, really just testing his luck in the NFL. He's very talented. He's very good. Graded out very highly for us. And so I'd probably say those three guys outside of, of course, you know, the Chargers can get Derek Stingley. Great. You know, like if they can get Sauce Gardner, great. But like, those are some three names that uh, I would throw at Chargers fans to just keep their eye on. I want to pick your brain a little bit there, Trevor, because you kind of mentioned it as far as even at a Trent McDuffie side of the scenario. Now put your Brandon Staley, Ronaldo Hill hat on for just a second. Now, if it was you, because you signed Mike Davis to a long-term deal. You spent a second-round pick on Asante Samuel Jr. last year. You had Chris Harris essentially as your go-to slot nickel corner this year. Let's just say it ends up panning out this way. You'd end up taking with this team Trent McDuffie. What's the rotation of your corners? Does Asante Samuel now become your nickel guy? Does Trent McDuffie play the outside if it was you? Because that's where I've been trying to search for as far as current goes. Is it more searching for the the guy who's better suited just to play the nickel? Or do you want someone as versatile like this? And then you could start playing around with the guys that you have. Yeah, I think I think you want more versatility above everything else, especially when you don't have like set guys on the outside. I think that Asante's 
pretty set on the outside. Like that's just what he's always played. And so you look at his size and you go, Oh, okay. Like he can moonlight at nickel for you. And like, he just, he just hasn't done that. Like he didn't do that at Florida state. Like it's just not his bread and butter. He's just a, he's just a shorter outside corner. I feel, um, how much nickel did Davis play for you guys last year? How much? Did you... Not much. Zero. None. Much okay. Zero. So that, that's what I thought. And I was like, I'm like, I don't think David has played nickel. So, you know, that's when you get into a situation where if you drafted a guy like Trent McDuffie, he could, he could just play so many different spots for you. Like if he ends up being your number one corner in camp, okay, play him on the outside, play him in Asante Samuel and have somebody else play as a nickel. You, you know, you could, might be able to sign a nickel guy. You might be able to draft another nickel guy. And then it's not like, you know, some people look at it and they go like, oh, then you're wasting Michael Davis. Fuck you, Wayne. It's what we just had with the wide receiver conversation. Like, you're in the same division as the Broncos. You're in the same division as the Chargers. You're in the same, you know, we're watching. You're in the same conference as the Bengals, right, with all of their deep wide receivers. This is just where the NFL is going. And so, like, even if they're – I think people like for things to land perfectly, like, right? Like, like you just go like, Ooh, we have our top two outside guys. And then like, we have our guy who's a nickel specialist. And then we just have kind of like the other backup guys and like to do this and that. And it, it doesn't always work out that pretty. And that's fine. Like you just need good corners. You have to draft good secondary players. And I also love the fact that McDuffie can also play safety and he is, and he is, he's willing to do that. Um, you know, shoot, you, you look at a guy like I, I'm bringing up so many bucks players. People are just going to notice the bias right away. But like you look at Antoine Winfield Jr. And I'm not saying that Trent McDuffie is like Antoine Winfield Jr. Because he was more of a solid safety. But Todd Bowles got creative with how he used Winfield Jr. As a man coverage defender or guys who are in the slot. And like that's to me what you can sometimes do with McDuffie. And like if your best lineup ends up being some form of like just imagine this. Like Davis played on, on the outside where he's comfortable. Uh, Asante Samuel doing the same. You got Derwin in the nickel covering, covering like a big tight end or a big slot receiver that people are like to pick on. You've got Trent McDuffie as a safety. You've got Nasir Adderley as a safety, right? Like all of a sudden, these are mix and match lineups. And then like on another snap, you could have Derwin go back to strong safety. You could have Trent McDuffie come in the middle, right? All of a sudden, it just becomes you get so many different lineups that you could throw at these wide receivers and it allows you to match your corners up with the skill set of what other teams wide receivers might be week in and week out so i think that's probably a everybody likes to be like oh we need a nickel corner the most so let's draft a guy that's 100 percent just like going to be a nickel corner it's like that always work like that and it probably shouldn't you should probably just draft the best secondary player and Figure out what happens from there, right? These guys are great athletes. You can treat, you can teach guys to play different positions. So that's probably without me obviously being a coach on the roster and knowing these guys hands on. That's probably how I would approach it from an outsider's perspective. And, and I guess that kind of brings me to probably my favorite part of these kinds of shows, where I like to give people, Jake likes to give people the opportunity to look very, very smart. Which, like, comparatively speaking, I think it's very easy to look smart compared to Jake and I because we kind of bring it down a little bit. That's but that's. For you, Trevor, this is your time. You did it last year. So two questions, two parts to the last question for me. Okay. Who would say, we talked about a bunch of guys. Who would you say, Chargers, I'm calling it at 17, or maybe they trade up, trade down, whatever it is. Shoot your shot, Chargers round one and two, and then allow yourself to show off a bit. Who is your darling in this draft that is not getting nearly enough attention that you're like, man, Wait till they get on an NFL field. They're going to make me look so good. <sighs> all right. There's a lot of pressure here because I got it right last year. And there's yeah, also no pressure at all because if I completely whiff, I'm still 50%. So I'm, I'm pretty happy with that. But <laughs> I will say that I think Jamison Williams is the pick for them in the first round. Because as much as I would love to go defensive line, I'm not sure they picked Jordan Davis there just because I, I don't know what people think of Jordan Davis right now. And I, as much as I would love – I honestly feel like if they had a right tackle that they loved, that it would be a 17, they'd pull the trigger. I just don't know who's still going to be there. Who's going to be. So I'll, I will say Jameson Williams is the pick at 17. And I will say – I think it's going to be an edge rusher at that point. Um, maybe Trayvon Walker. 
I th- I'll oh. say I'll say Trayvon White, and that's that's a name that I did not bring up yet. That's another Georgia defender who hits like a ton of bricks, dude. I don't know if he's going to go in the first round. I know Dame Brugler of the Athletic has him going in the first round. I don't. I don't think he brings enough of a pass rush profile to be there. But I'll say I'll say Trayvon Walker in the second round. I'll say James Williams first round, Trayvon Walker in the second round, and then a player who I think isn't getting enough love. I could go super deep with this. You know what? We're early. This is the time to do it. So this is since this is a post senior bowl show. I'm going to shout out two guys and cheat here. Two corners that I was really intrigued with that I really liked. Joshua Williams from Fayetteville State. I have not watched much of him at all, but I could tell you that this guy had confidence. He was fearless. He held his own against so many different kinds of wide receivers, and it wasn't the best wide receiver class in Mobile this past year, but he played really, really well. And then the other guy from uh, from from the Senior Bowl as well is Tariq Woolen from, from UTSA. This dude is uniquely built, very long, tall corner, understands things at a at a – I will say basic level right now, but there's just so much room for growth. I, I was sitting, I was standing on the sidelines watching a couple reps with him, and the way he moves for how long he is is so impressive. And I watched so many reps where he was that close to making a play on the ball, like that mm. close. And the cornerback coach, after the play, would come up to him, he'd be like, you were right there. Like you were right there. It's just about the timing of turning your head, getting your hand up a little bit sooner and not you're either getting a pass break up or you're coming away with an interception. So those are two dudes, maybe some guys for the Chargers to look out for because I got a short corner on the outside right now. Those are two players that I like. It could be sleepers. Maybe they're in Los Angeles next season. Jake, if we if we get Trevor going two for two, I think we just have to get Trevor in there in the draft room. He's got like a secret line one. There's something going on here. If we could pull him away from Tampa Bay just for, you know, just for the first round maybe and just get him in the war room, that would be that would be nice. <laughs> the encyclopedia. My DMs are open. Tell him my DMs are open. So, I mean, if you want, look, consulting Make a note of that. fees. I might waive the consulting fees to, to just be in the war room with the Chargers. <laughs> the encyclopedia of draft knowledge, the one and only Trevor Sikama. You can, of course, follow him on Twitter at Tampa Bay Trey. If you have not been listening to his new show, NFL Stock Exchange on PFF, what my answer to you is exactly what are you doing? What, how are you properly spending your time during the offseason? If you're not doing it now, you better you better get started right away trevor thank you so much it's been a pleasure as always thank you so much for coming back and joining the show uh we would love to have you on at any point especially as we get closer to the nfl draft thank you so much man we really appreciate it i always love popping on i really appreciate you guys having me on this is a lot of fun for me as well hopefully it was fun for your listeners too so i mean it anytime uh thanks guys appreciate it thank you seriously who's blowing up my phone oh yeah Powerball. Big news. Powerball now draws three days a week, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Saturdays. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player claim. Spring it on with 40 to 70% off almost everything at Gap Factory and GapFactory.com. Matching styles for the family are on sale, too. Shop it all through April 12th.